I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. The thing about hip-hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Peace and love, everyone. My name is Manny Faces. For 10 years, I covered hip-hop music and culture in and around New York City as an independent journalist and content creator. Despite the attention the mainstream music business started giving to areas outside of hip-hop's mecca, New York remained a thriving, bubbling, evolving artistic and cultural ecosystem. This includes many people and organizations who use hip-hop in incredibly innovative and inspirational ways outside of just making music and entertaining folks. In areas like education, in schools, in youth outreach and counseling, in theater, in science and technology, in politics and activism, hip-hop is a remarkable force in New York and beyond. The voices of these innovators are as important as ever, especially as corporations continue to strip away hip-hop's wider cultural voice for the sake of profits because these innovators know how to use the nation's dominant youth culture in an authentic manner, in ways that can help solve some of our nation's biggest problems. So we need to celebrate and support them, because I believe that hip-hop can save America. And so this podcast was born. Thanks again for joining me as I talk to the folks who are responsibly using hip-hop music and culture to address, adjust, and in some cases, alleviate problems facing our country. Hip Hop Can Save America is a presentation of the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy at hiphopadvocacy.org, a nonprofit dedicated to increasing public understanding of hip hop culture. We're also brought to you by the award winning Newsbeat Podcast. It's hard hitting journalism, including interviews with thought leaders and activists about the most pressing social justice issues of our time. And it also incorporates hip hop with music and original lyrical contributions every episode. Think of it as Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast, baby. You can find Newsbeat by Maury Creative Studios wherever you get your podcasts or on the web at usnewsbeat.com. Hip Hop Can Save America airs weekly, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Bondfire Open Source Radio. With amazing programming like their flagship morning show, TK in the AM, Bondfire Open Source Radio is leading community radio into the future. Check them out at bondfireradio.com or on the TuneIn app. We're also available on most podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Now, when talking about hip-hop being used in classroom settings, 
Very often, the conversation includes vocabulary. Vocabulary is a learning platform, a collection of media, songs, videos, printed materials that thousands of schools use to complement traditional teaching methods across all grade levels and demographics using hip hop music. Their research-based approach has helped increase interest in all sorts of subjects, resulting in higher test scores and student engagement. The program, which heralds authenticity in their work, recruits actual hip-hop artists as well as subject matter experts to help craft their offerings, which many educators report have become a welcome part of their teaching life. Tierney Oberhammer is the director of production for Flocabulary, overseeing content creation, working with rappers, singers, and producers to make music that aligns with K-12 curriculum. She's helped create hundreds of videos ranging from math to social and emotional learning, even spearheading a series on social justice. She's a passionate advocate for hip-hop-based education and often writes and speaks on these topics, as well as the overall effectiveness of the Flocabulary program. And I was thrilled that she took out time to speak to me about how their brand of hip-hop education can mean so much more than just being able to pass a test. Here's my conversation with Tierney Oberhammer. Once again, thanks for taking the time out. There are a few people, places, and things uh, that will almost always come up when it comes to, you know, the topic of hip hop being used in education. And of course, vocabulary is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really happy you're taking the time out to speak to me uh, about the company and its role in this arena and your role with them and the things y'all do. So once again, thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. Just for, you know, people who might not be fully aware, you know, a brief elevator pitch, as it were, uh, explaining what vocabulary is from, you know, the corporate standpoint. Yeah, for sure. So I always freeze up when people ask me this question. Because I, I worry that when I say educational hip-hop, people mm-hmm. are going to think it's corny immediately. Right. And so I always try to lead with the fact that we work with professional artists, mm-hmm. like that are hip-hop artists in their own right and, you know, making, making moves in New York and in L.A., Atlanta, Houston, um, Texas is really growing. So I try to get that out there firstly. Beyond that, FlowCab is basically a learning program that uses hip-hop to teach and engage students. Engagement is really sort of a key part of our product. Right. So it's an online library of hip-hop music videos for all subjects, all grades, and they come with accompanying like lesson plans, printable worksheets, interactive quizzes and activities. So, you know, we've got everything from you know, a kindergarten song about joining in and and playing well with others all the way to like right now, I'm about to work on a high school song about Malcolm X Hmm. Um, and everything between math, science, social studies, everything. Got it. Now it's, uh, I'll just, as an aside, but I can relate to how you have to preface this. Uh, One of the other things that I do is I'm the producer of a a podcast called Newsbeat. And what Newsbeat does is we actually merge uh, social justice journalism with hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I have to preface it the same way. I have to say, you know, I want everyone to know is we use independent hip hop artists that yeah. actually create uh, content. They create verses based on the subject that we're putting out there. So if we're talking about poverty in America or, you know, mass incarceration, we have artists come and speak on those how to create and craft original music, original lyrics to that. But again, it's not like the simplistic thing that might you know, people might normally think of when you say, oh, we're using rap to present material. It's not it's not Sesame Street here. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like no shade on Sesame Street, but it's no, no, not no, that. They, they do their thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. they, they set they they set the bar. Yeah, you know. Yep. They started this whole game, I think, in a, in a way. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, that's what I was. That's what I was watching when I was a kid. That's it. That's I what had my is. jean jacket with Bert and Ernie on the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were official. You were, you were, you were, yeah. you were buying merch. I was, okay, I was repping. My my mom was making me merch. There you go. <laughs> yeah, back in the days, yeah, it's, yeah. It's gonna sew it together and you go out for Halloween. <laughs> yep. Well, I think that's interesting. The, the Sesame Street thing, as we talk about, you know, how music is used in learning, and how, we've done this from the beginning. We've sung the alphabet song, so there are definitely roots in, for lack of a better term, the simplistic use of, of music and repetitiveness, mm-hmm. and, you know, in learning. Uh, of course, vocabulary and other hip-hop educational programs and, and ideas take it to uh, a much higher level now. Uh, the bar has been raised, as they say. Vocabulary has been around for a long time. It's one of the leaders in the field. Can you just give me a brief breakdown of kind of, you know, how it started, how long it's been around? Yeah, yeah. The sort of the origin story, which, which I like, is one of the co-founders, Blake Harrison, he was studying for the SAT and kind of mm. like struggling to memorize all those archaic words that you have to know for the SAT or that you used to have to know back then. I know that they've changed it right. since then. Like archaic. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he was kind of like, damn it, like I, I cannot memorize these words. However, I memorize every single lyric of all of my favorite rap songs. Why is that the case? Right. And so he had this idea to put all those SAT words into a rap song so that he could memorize it and, and you know, get a better score on the SAT. So he kind of had that idea in his head for a couple of years. And then I think it was after he graduated college, he met up with the other co-founder, Alex Rappaport, and sort of pitched that idea to Alex. And Alex has always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Basically, that's that's how they decided to make their first song, I think, like Sparknotes picked it up and then they made books and CDs and they started touring the country like as kind of like as a little rap duo. And so it was first vocabulary. Um, there was like a vocabulary series and then they started to get into history. They had like hip hop, U.S. history and mm-hmm. world history. And then from there, it just expanded um, to what we have today. And like, you know, it went from 20 something year olds in a van touring the country. And now here in Brooklyn, we got I think like 60 people at our office, plus tons of freelancers across the country. Right. And, and of course, the artists that are being used are from all over, like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how did you come into the picture? When did you start you know, taking on uh, your role? What is your role? What do you do there for uh, Flowcat? I started um, almost five years ago at this point. And when I first started, there were seven or eight people with the company. It was a much smaller operation. So back then, I was really doing a little bit of everything. Um, I was doing the curricular curricular work and researching the topics and writing the supplementary materials. Like we have um, like lesson plans and activities and worksheets and stuff like that. I was doing a lot of that work. Back then, I didn't know how to track in the studio. I didn't know how to produce an artist. So back then, I was just slowly learning that stuff. And I learned most of it on the job. Um, so when I first started, I was my title was editor, actually. Although I don't even really know what that ever meant. Um, <laughs> and then over time, like I learned how to use Logic Pro X. So I track our artists. I learned how to be comfortable in the studio producing artists. I hmm. talent scout. I write lyrics sometimes and I edit the lyrics of all of our artists. So I'm really like a kind of like a one woman, almost like a one woman record label here at Flocabulary. Um, okay. Produce. I kind of do the A&R side of things. I guide the mix and master. 
I work with producers on custom beats sometimes, or also I'm like finding the beats from beat makers who are selling online. Right, right. Um, so I'm really focused on the music and making the songs now, but I also, I'm involved in a lot of things here at Flocabulary. You know, I, I was at South by Southwest again this year doing a panel called Let's Teach About Race. Right. So I'm really interested in pushing the envelope on what educators are teaching in school and incorporating some of these important topics into curriculum because it's otherwise been neglected. Where did you come from before? Like, what were you doing before you got into this? Like, how did you... <laughs> That's a, yeah. where, directly... where did you come from? <laughs> um, I mean, I went to undergrad for for uh, lit and creative writing, and then I went to grad school for popular culture. Okay. Um, so I can see that path taking shape from those. Uh, yeah, those yeah. So I laugh because my path definitely takes shape. Like, it makes sense where I am now. And where I've been, and I also I worked at this company in Baltimore called Words and Numbers, which was an educational publishing company. But directly before I worked at Floor Cabinetry, I was managing the renovation of a mansion in Westchester. <laughs> oh, okay. Well. So I worked for this really wealthy Turkish family, and yeah, they bought this huge. It, yeah, it's really irrelevant <laughs> to, the, to the job I have now. <laughs> no, you're still you're still building though. You're still building. That's yeah, that's, yeah. that's all yeah. part of it. <laughs> Uh, so there's a huge lineup of, I guess, offerings. Uh, the way vocabulary works, and correct me if I'm wrong or enhance what I'm saying, is the core of your clientele would be schools. Is that it? So schools or, or, or educational institutions kind of purchase uh, packages to, for their teachers to use? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, okay. I mean, a, a teacher a teacher or an individual could purchase just an individual license, but that's not really what, what that, those aren't our goals. Our, sa- right. our sales goals isn't to sell to individuals. It's to get either entire schools or entire school districts to purchase vocabulary. Right. And then it's um, it's like Netflix style. Like so you sign up, you get a login, you get access to the whole library. Students can also sign sign in and have their own logins. They can like take the interactive quiz on the site right. and then the teacher can like access the grades later. So it's it's a whole, like there's a whole like backend system. Right, a learning so, management kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's really like robust and like, Hmm. supporting the teachers and the students to use the product. Right. So I want to just talk, I talk about this a lot with the, with the hip hop ed folks and, you know, and, and some of the hindrances or hesitations uh, that sometimes come if you're trying to present or maybe that you hear about, I know, like I said, and we'll talk about it, it may be, maybe easier these days because you have a track record. So it's easier to kind of show, but when you're dealing with institutions that don't necessarily understand hip hop or, or have these uh, preconceived notions about rap music and mm-hmm. and the, the intersection of them. What are some of the kind of, you know, hesitation and hindrances you faced over the years in trying to implement these programs? And how have you guys navigated that? You know, we kind of get it from the left and the right. Okay. On the right hand side, you got, I mean, I get folks emailing in like, oh, you know, you're using slang. How, how, how can you use slang when you're trying to educate students and mm-hmm. complaints like that? Or, um, or just like hip hop is a bad influence. And, you know, to that, I would always say hip hop is so much like, look at the history of it. It's so much more complex than than you're making it out to be. And for every artist that's like rapping about drugs and sex, there's also a rapper that's rapping about social issues and how to be a better person and how to lift up your community and sure. et cetera. So, you know, there's both sides of it. And you can say the same thing about any type of music. There's country songs about drinking and 
I don't know what there are a lot of bad country songs. <laughs> yeah. I don't know country much, but yeah. actually I saw a study done once and it was all about how overtly misogynistic the imagery in country music videos is. And I remember thanking the person who did the study and said, I'm a hip hop cat. So thank you. Uh for uh shedding light on another genre of music that, you know, (laughs) instead of ours, you know, gets a bad rap. Yeah, Yeah. like there's there's good and the bad in all things, not like not just hip hop. So, (laughs) so, you know, there's that. And then, you know, coming from the left hand side is people that are going to accuse vocabulary of appropriation. Right. Um, Gimmicky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and then and to them, I always say like, yo, like it's real. Like we're not we didn't hire an actor to play being a hip hop artist right. and now they're like rapping and and it's corny like no like it's <laughs> it's all it's all really real and one of the easiest ways to sort of back up how special vocabulary is and how much it helps kids is to get on Twitter and just search vocabulary and you'll mm. find all of these teachers who are filming their classrooms where their students are like singing along to vocabulary songs or writing their own, like we have Lyric Lab, which um, like supports students to write their own lyrics and write their own raps about topics. And like, what better way to learn than to study something hmm. well enough and like know it well enough that you can write a rap song about it. Yeah, like, sure. like that's proving your mastery of the content. So yeah, Twitter is a great place to go and see. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, you have a track record. I mean, you could point to sales, but you could certainly point to real life examples. And that's probably the best. Um, and that's actually a great one that the the, the Lyric Lab you talk about and, and having students not only just they're not just learning and, and retaining information, but they're now applying this, I don't know, maybe a little bit more technical knowledge of rap songs. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then it, so it's not just something that they've been accustomed to maybe listening on the radio, but they're actually, oh, I can see now how I could put material of substance into a rap song format i'm going to try it like that actual real life example yeah yeah and that's like literacy i mean right like talk about like like vocabulary and literacy are these major indicators when it comes to success in school and success later later on in life just success in general sure literacy and vocabulary and rap like that's what it is it's like (laughs) word it's wordplay and vocabulary and if you can make the like sickest wordplay then you're the best rapper and I don't know like it's all so educational that you know I work for flow vocabulary I love the product it's amazing but just rap like rap in general never mind quote educational rap but rap just is educational right Right. Um, more so, more so, I think than any other genre of music. Oh yeah, for sure, I would agree with that. I yeah. would also, I, I like to call, I like to point out in the same kind of way because I'm a journalist, and again, we do this newsbeat thing, and it's you know, hip hop is journalism as well. It's a very yes, there's embellishment, yes, there's storytelling that necessarily isn't based in reality sometimes, but a lot of what's being delivered is journalism. It's mm-hmm, it's people mm-hmm. from a certain place, and this could be anybody who does hip hop. Doesn't have to be like the traditional. Oh, the tales of the inner city, da da da. Right, you know, right. But it's right. anyone who's putting words together. So many words. You can get so many words into a song mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. and and tell so many stories and give so many perspectives. So yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah, and just like from since its origin, like late '70s South Bronx, like that's what it was for. It was like right. this is where the party is tonight. Go here, and then like <laughs> later on, like like this is what's going on in our communities, and like sharing that experience. Yeah, like that's journalism. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we said we could point to real life examples uh, and going on Twitter and find you gave a great example. Are there any other like just from your experience, from your peers, you know, working there? And what are some of like the standout? If I had to go and tell somebody, no, trust me, vocabulary really works because <laughs> yeah. of this example. Like what really stands out is something that really shows you what you're doing is powerful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, gosh, I mean, I could I could really go on forever ranging from ones that are kind of funny to ones that are sort of truly moving. But yes, I think truly was, moving is good. Let's cry. Let's cry okay. here. Let's do the, the Oprah thing. No, okay. <laughs> well, I, I can give you two. I'll give you a funny one first and then a moving one. So Blake, one of the co-founders, he visited a classroom about a month ago and visited to, and, and, and I've gone, you know, I go to classrooms sometimes too, and we go to observe. And my favorite question to ask the kids is like, what do you think is funny? Cause I, I'm, I'm 31 years old. Like, I don't know that I know what, like middle schoolers think is funny or entertaining. <laughs> right. So I got I just asked them like, what's like, what's a good joke so that I know what kind of like humor and jokes to incorporate into our, into our music. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, we don't even know what app they're using today. So yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what they're yeah. saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so there's this girl, this little girl, I think it was a fourth grade classroom who Blake was, Blake was asking them, what's your favorite song? And the, they were like, we love the fraction song. We love the fraction song. And so this girl apparently looked around the class, like really commanded the room and looked around the classroom and was like, all right, ready, guys? One, two, three, hit it. And then the whole classroom rapped the entire Fractions song. <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. Like they all knew it. And I was just cracking. And the song, like, I, I mean, I, I know it. I can sing it in my head. And the hook's really good. It's this like song hook. Like, it's really and about great. Fractions. Yeah, about Fractions. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. 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 That's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, so I made this song recently called Perspectives on Race. Mm -hmm. And I basically had four different rappers, a Japanese-American rapper, African-American rapper, mixed race girl, half black, half white, and then a white female rapper. And then all four of them just talk about their experience with race and, and right. what it's meant for their life and their music career. And because really the point of this, I wanted to do a song talking about race and this was sort of what my panel at South, South By was about, just that race is this topic that's not talked about in school and it needs to be talked about in school because that way when these kids graduate, rather than be students that spent 12 years in school learning not to talk about race and like learning mm. that it's taboo and learning to be awkward and uncomfortable about it. Right, right. And maybe playing catch up in college. because Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Right, right. It would be better if they graduate and like these, these, these young people that are going to go out into the world and be lawyers and policymakers and police officers and teachers and... It would really benefit everyone in, in this country and in this world to, to have a better understanding about race. Yeah. But when I was doing the research for this song, I mean, I'm not going to, I didn't, I didn't think it really made sense to get into like the biology of it. Like race is a social construct and it's not by, like, that's not really helpful when race is so critical in society. Like it does, yeah. it's not really helpful to be like, race isn't real when it's like, <laughs> right. well, it sure feels real. <laughs> like, right, right. Um, so basically in this song, I was like, I just want everyone to talk about their experiences and perspectives with race and ethnicity to, to teach perspective taking to students. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that song came out and I wasn't really sure how many people were going to be using it. And there were some people on Twitter, some teachers talking about how they were having really meaningful discussions about race in their classrooms that were inspired by the song. Mm. And that was just really special and 
and rewarding for me to hear because yeah. like that that was the point that was the that goal was it. yeah and that's you know again speaks to the power of this medium you know just to, to to go beyond what people think you know rote memorization and just the abcs but that kind of material to actually do stuff and let me ask you this so i often talk to people and you know who aren't familiar and you know i try to get their perspectives of what they think hip-hop educational music in, in education these kind of things inter interact and of course they may get the understanding that well, yeah, sure. If you if you do rap and you put stuff in rap, then yeah, that'll that'll work with the you know little brown and black kids mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in the inner city. You know, that's the kind of the perception. But there's a universal potential for this kind of work. Obviously, hip hop being as ubiquitous as it is in in American culture, it is America. It's the most dominant with R and B. It's the most dominant style of music. So it's and it touches everybody influentially through. through Everything, music, fashion, lifestyle, slang, all the things. Yeah. And that goes across all demographics. So uh, what you said there was it teaches perspectives. And I think that's interesting when you when you use hip hop in educational settings, that it doesn't have to just be for the necessarily the communities or or the students who are traditionally associated with hip hop. Yes. But you're able to use this. So speak to that a little bit, how that might work. Well, I mean, I think that you really you really nailed it in that. Hip hop is the most popular genre of music. And you go to a hip hop show nowadays, an audience is mostly white. Like, right, for sure. But yeah, I, I mean, everyone everyone loves hip hop and and we know that. And, and we know, I mean, vocabulary isn't just used in like inner city with black and brown students. We've got, you know, kids in te- like t- in Texas and in the middle of the country and just all, all over the whole country. I mean, vocabulary is in, I think, over 20,000 schools at this point. Mm. Um, and it's even international. I mean, hip hop's so popular in Asia. There's even some international schools that use vocabulary. And, you know, representation matters. Right. And I think about that all the time when producing songs and making sure that I find female MCs to get on tracks and male MCs. And I make sure I put female MCs on math and science songs because women are underrepresented in STEM. Right. And then when it comes to the stories that, that we're telling in songs, you know, I think some of the most successful songs that I've worked on are songs where I in- incorporate some sort of a narrative into teaching the subject matter. Okay. So I make sure that in those songs, we're being inclusive to all different types of people. So make sure that the kid in the song isn't, get- isn't getting an iPod for, or that's who even has iPods anymore. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm aiding myself. Um, <laughs> but, you know, make sure like that the stories that we're telling show students of different socioeconomic classes and different religious backgrounds and different racial backgrounds. And, you know, we have a song where we have a gay marriage happening in one of our songs. Mm. And sometimes teachers write in and they're like, this isn't appropriate. Why are you putting a, why are you putting a homosexual relationship in your song? And I'm always like, because there are students in your classrooms that have two moms or two dads at home or are sitting there questioning their own sexuality and they're going to feel included and represented if they see that. And right. so, you know, we try to have... We and, try and, to sh- even the, and even children who don't now have that... Yes. Are, yeah, are exposed to Thank that from you. a... Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, yes. Right. Even kids who don't, yeah, to have exposure and see that that's fine. And that's right. just... Which, which is probably what those teachers don't want, but, yeah. you know, I mean... It's exactly, yeah, it's exactly what they don't want. <laughs> right. So it's kind of a bad uh, example, but it's a perfect example. Yeah. Because it's kind of expand perspectives, and that's important for the world. And for, like you said, just for getting out in the world and understanding that there's going to be all kinds so you should have an understanding you may you may not even always agree or or conf- you know to form certain lifestyles but mm-hmm. you have that understanding you're not being surprised yes yes yeah, yeah like it's not a secret that <laughs> right. you know and i make a point of i mean maybe there's a song that's about compound words and one of the characters mm-hmm. in the song is going to be wearing a hijab 
It's not like, this is a song about a Muslim girl. It's just like, it's a song about compound words and there's a Muslim girl in it because there are Muslim girls in, in schools. Right, right. Well, I, you know, I think that's part of uh, the importance of doing this this kind of work is to keep that that in mind. You know, that sort of, uh, as you said before, you don't want it to just be um, you don't want it to be corny, uh, but you don't. Mm-hmm. But you want it to have some kind of authenticity, mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. want it to have um, uh, inclusivity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought it up. You know, sometimes you have teachers that maybe don't always you know vibe with everything or the subject matter. I know that there was a some years ago there was a some school that that didn't like uh, some of the content, some of the history content. Mm-hmm. And so I know there was some changes made because you know you obviously you don't want to have too much of that. But I guess what what changes or corrections have you made over the years mm-hmm. to make sure that you're doing this without? I guess it's a product you got to sell it. Like you know, how do you draw that line? It's got to be a tough balance sometimes. It is. I'm not even sure where we draw the line sometimes. Right. You, like, like we want to be inclusive, so we also don't want to exclude anyone from using the product. Right. And I really try to keep teachers in mind. So there have been times when a teacher might write in and, okay, here's a great example. So we have the, the Weekend Wrap, which is our weekly news product. For a while there, like leading up to the 2016 election and after it, a lot of the headlines were all about Trump. Trump, Trump, Trump to this, Trump that, Trump this. Right. So we covered a lot of it. We started to get some complaints that were saying, you know, I think that the vocabulary is is revealing a, a left-leaning bias in, okay. in the product. And I mean, I work really hard to try to be as neutral as possible, like to strip any bias, to always give both sides of every story. I want to provide facts and let students come up with their own ideas and opinions about the world based on those facts. Like that's the right. whole point of the Week in Rap is to help create more informed and global citizens. Right. But there's been times when a teacher would write in and, and say, ah, oh, this was bias. And, and I always make a point of letting go of my own opinions and having a dialogue with the teacher. Like, okay, like, can you elaborate a little bit more on why you found this bias and what the exact issue is? Because right. maybe I'm not seeing it, but I just need a little bit of help. And I've had a great, and I've, I've had some of these conversations on the phone, where I've had really amazing conversations with teachers where they explained further. And I was like, you know what? I agree. I think you're making a really great point. And I didn't, it didn't dawn on me. And I realized that now. And we're going to make changes based on that. Okay. So that definitely happens. And then something else in terms of deciding whether or not to include content is that the goal, first and foremost, is educating and engaging students. And so I got some feedback from teachers that even covering Trump at all especially during the very like polarizing lead up to the 2016 election right. would derail classrooms. Mm. Just the mention of his name. So, <laughs> right, right. so it, you know, during it derails that derails everything else, I guess. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So during that time period, I like started to only cover really, 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 really big news coming out of that election. And right. just otherwise tried to like take off the gas pedal a little bit on, on Trump news because I don't want to make, the goal is to make teachers' lives easier and to help them. So if it's like, if classrooms are, you know, if if our content is derailing a classroom, then that's not helpful. Right. So there's a little bit of a constant push and pull here about material that you deliver. But again, it's interesting that you say, well, speaking to the teachers and getting their perspective, we're over here, we do our thing. We don't know how it is from that perspective and Mm -hmm. saying we're going to, but the goal is neutrality. The goal is, like you said, kind of middle of the road, 
fact-based. And there's some people who are not going to like your facts, but facts are facts, right? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it's yeah. interesting because even facts can, like, the facts that you choose to present, that's like a whole nother uh, true indeed. Yeah, yeah. type of well, bias. Like I said, I'm from the news world. So, yeah, welcome to our world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not an easy but that, job. But it, yeah, no, no. And, and I, I appreciate it. I think people would appreciate you know, the effort being put into to make sure that that's not something that really drives the wedge, I think, between uh, your program, you know, what you're trying to get uh, accomplished, the education and the engagement of students and any kind of leanings or any kind of exclusivity. I think that's important to, to do. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's part, part of the part of the job. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, a couple more questions and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. I know you're in the studio there. You got to do your um, you got to drop your mixtapes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so curious just to see like what's maybe in the works, what's on the horizon. Uh, you covered the perspectives on race video, which I thought was really interesting to bring social justice or, or social issues into the into the mix. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that was a great way to do it. Again, these are touchy subjects and these are, there's ways that you got to probably try to uh, try to navigate that. But I thought that was that was a great example of how it could be done. I know that you've brought in some other things that aren't traditional reading, writing, arithmetic, so financial literacy stuff. What Mm -hmm. are some of the other like newer programs and or what might be coming up for you guys? Yeah. So something that I'm really excited about and increasingly excited about is social and emotional learning content. And that's a content area that's gaining traction and popularity in the education world in general. And I think it's so important. I mean, I'm the type of person, I'm like, I think everybody should be in therapy. Everybody should go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody could use to like improve their social and emotional well-being. Right. And so, and I've that's heard some... that enough that I believe in that. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear a lot of success stories? So yeah, gonna... yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I'm always reading a self-help book, so <laughs> <laughs> trying to help myself. But so we're we're coming up with a lot of social and emotional content. It's interesting to figure out when it, when it will be incorporated into classrooms, and we're actually going to make a couple of these songs and then do some focus groups and get like, at what teachers. age level at what grade level kind of deal yeah and and okay. also like at what point during the day are these units going to be um, used when do you incorporate a unit about managing anger or being patient or right recently we made a song about meditation and mindfulness okay um and we're actually trying to partner with headspace to get like a guided meditation for the end of the song so i'm just curious like i mean i can imagine a teacher using that like right before a test or if if the classroom is is getting particularly rowdy, like using that video to calm everyone down. But I don't mm. know. It's it's interesting because I think it's such an important topic and we've gotten a lot of requests for it. It's definitely like a trending thing. Um, when right. I was at South by EDU, I went to this panel called Trauma-Informed Teaching. Mm. Um, and that was all about how, you know, and trauma is any type of like you can, you know, you can experience trauma from being in any type of environment where there's toxic stress. So, right. you know, maybe you have a really hard home life. Teacher and teachers can also experience trauma in their in their classrooms. Right. Um, and it's basically trauma informed education is the idea of of understanding and having strategies to deal with students or teachers that might be experiencing emotional trauma and how mm. to care for them. Yeah, I kind of went all over the tackling place. Tackling that subject. No, they're tackling that subject and trying to see how, how your methods can can participate in that, in that, yeah, in that yeah. Kind of subfield. Yeah. yeah. And we already have a bunch of social and emotional units that are aimed more at like the K through five age range. Okay. Um, and that's a little bit easier because they're, you know, that age range, their sort of corny radar is a little bit uh, weaker. Right. Yeah. I have <laughs> um, a three-year-old, I know. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I know you all know, the shows. You know, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
So now, you know, we're, we're working on 15 units this year, actually, which is more than more than any other subject area. Um, mm. so, so SEL is basically our biggest subject area this year. Okay. And these new units are going to be more for middle school and high schoolers. Right. And so this it's going to be a challenge because it's kind of like, how do you talk about, for example, the idea that feelings are not facts? Like the idea that just because you feel a certain way does not right. mean that it is a fact. It does not reflect reality. Mm. It's a really important social and emotional concept to understand. I mean, the extreme example of, of how important that is, is like if you feel like no one cares about you, you feel like you shouldn't even live. You know, if you're feeling suicidal, you have those feelings, but it right. does not mean that that's true. Right, right. To, you know, take it back from that extreme I feel like nobody likes me. I'm in school and I feel isolated and I feel like nobody likes me. It doesn't right. mean it's true. Right. Um, or that it has to be or continue to be or, you know. Exactly. Really, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's the not idea, the end. It's not the end of, you know, not the end of the story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And the, yeah. and the idea that like. Grownups could learn that too, you know. Yeah. So, so I mean. That, that a lot, carries us through our life, right? A lot of these topics are, yeah, totally yeah. topics that really anyone at any age could have a better grasp of. Right. So it's going to be interesting to to turn these topics into songs. And, and, you know, in order for it to be successful, it's different from like a math song or a social studies song where kids got to learn it. So right. the teacher and the teacher is going to use it in their classroom because the kids got to learn it. It's, it's right. like a, it's, it's in a standard. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's right, a standard. Right. Whereas something like dealing with anxiety, kids doesn't really got to learn that. Right. Like, right. It, it's helpful, right. though. It would make right. your life guess, better. Right, right. I guess there's probably certain considerations as to, you know, make sure you're not, you know, doling out psychoanalytical advice. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm going to, like, I plan on on consulting with experts for a lot of these units because, yeah, it, it is tiptoeing towards that territory. Right. Like, for the, even for the mindfulness and meditation song that we made recently, we're going to have an expert on mindfulness and meditation look at it just to make sure. Yep. It's kind of like a fact check. Like we yeah, fa- we no, fact sure. check all of our units because right. we have subject matter experts that are doing all the research. And so we want to get subject matter experts to sort of fact check this social and emotional stuff, too. It really does sound like it's taking this idea to that proverbial you know, next level uh, where you're really trying to expand the offerings to not only educate, but then help people. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I feel like it also relates to like decisions for like later on, like life design and career career choices. Mm. We're always telling students to be themselves. Just be yourself. Like, right. that's the most important thing. But I don't know how to expect, like, an 8-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old with all of the social pressure and all of the changes going on. Like, at that age, how do you even know who you are? Like, how do you know who that self is? Mm. And so I think that a lot of this social and emotional stuff is about, like, listening to yourself and con- connecting with yourself and figuring out what's best for you and what you need to do to be your happiest. Right. Which is so important for success later on. Yeah, for sure. So, like I said, something we all could have used a little more of probably coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you one or two quick ones. We talk about this and I talked about it earlier and it was like this universal potential that this could be used across, you know, all kind of demographics and all places and all, you know, all, you know, all cities, rural, all that. But of course, we also know that disproportionately. Uh, there are certain communities that don't receive all the resources or don't have all the access to some of the materials, don't have all the funding that a, a more affluent community might have. Uh, I know that there's some efforts that you guys make to help accessibility, affordability for some of these communities. Can you speak a little bit about the efforts that are made to make sure that people you know, have access who actually really may need it a little bit more than other communities? Yeah. One of our biggest efforts in this area that you're talking about 
is we work with, um, you know, are you familiar with Turnaround Arts? Uh, vaguely. It's an organization that's basically helping underprivileged schools. And so we donate subscriptions to schools across the country that are under-resourced. I don't know the stats exactly, but I think we donate 30 subscriptions to schools around the country that are under-resourced. And we're always looking to undertake more of those Hmm. relationships. And it's not just, here's access to our site for free. Go at it. Like, (laughs) We, like, fully support those school districts. Right. Um, like, you know, we send people out there to do trainings. We, we, can, we like, have relationships with the teachers in their schools to mm-hmm. make sure that they're making the most of vocabulary. We have a program where we go to schools and we basically roll out a contest within the school system where all of the students will write lyrics about a topic that's important to them. So, we, like, for example, we did this in St. Louis and we did, we're doing this in Atlanta, um, at the end of this school year. And we did it, we did it, I think, last year or the year before in, in Atlanta as well, where students write songs about something that's important to them. So like in St. Louis, um, I think that the prompt was more about historical figures. So you had students writing about George Washington Carver or what, this one girl made this really moving rap song about Trayvon Martin and like what his life meant and, and the importance of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. And then they perform their songs in front of the whole school. Mm. So... In this way, we're really advocating for student voice and like right. respecting and honoring what young people have to say, mm. um, which uh, it's it's really, really inspiring with the whole um, like the March for Our Lives and sure. the students that are getting active after the Parkland shooting. Right, um, right. You know, the, the, the idea that young people and students really can make a difference and mm. we're really aiming to support them with our focus on student voice. We made a song recently about activism. And okay. in the first verse, there's these two young women uh, who live in Bali named Malati and Isabel. And there's this terrible issue with plastic and trash on the beaches in Indonesia. And so when they were, when these two girls were 10 and 12 years old, they basically became little activists and hmm. worked to like clean up a lot of the beaches in Bali. But then it grew to the point where they like had meetings with the governor and they've in other, and they've done TED talks and they've been to the UN and they basically have they did a hunger strike and now Bali is going to be plastic bag free this year in 2018 and so the video is all about them and at the end of the video I have them they did like a selfie style message to all of vocabulary viewers hmm. and they said um, it's just it's so true and so sweet and cute at the same time but they basically say. Us kids may only be 25% of the world's population, but we are 100% of the future. <laughs> and yeah. I just really, I really like that. And, and it, I was it. like, yeah, that's, that's right. Like, you get it. That's brilliant. And you know what? The one really interesting thing, you know, say when, when you're, uh, you're delivering like a song about activism or you're allowing the students the opportunity to write and perform the songs in front of other people and just having that interaction or, or the beginning of a public speaking or or being with activism, being aware of environmental issues or social issues. You know, one of the things I read about the Parkland students who obviously have been, you know, so front and center lately uh, is that they were taught civics classes mm-hmm. early in their, like they get taught, like if, if most, I don't know if it's most, um, this is unscientific, but uh, if if there's civic classes still left in schools across America, there aren't that many from what I understand. It's probably at a high school level. They were actually taught civics classes in like middle school grade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, we used to, we don't we used to have debate and that's not even a thing anymore. But uh, the fact that you're being exposed to that earlier 
Yeah. And, and and them in particular may kind of help explain a little bit why they're so outspoken and they're so used to this because they've been kind of, you know, this has been ingrained in them from an earlier age. And we don't see that as we started this this last line of questioning with in some of these schools that are under-resourced uh, or underprivileged or or just have other things to deal with. Yeah, uh, so absolutely. Be, yeah, yeah, so being able to bring this, this concept in, again, student voices, being able to be expressive and have some knowledge about activism and social justice and awareness is, is super important. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, yeah. it's kind of like if you take if you take the Weekend Wrap, which is the news product that I was talking about, and that's, you know, keeping kids informed. And right. then you take some of the social and emotional stuff that right. gets them in tune, like gets them to think about what they care about and and learn how to express themselves in a way that's respectful and and clear. And all of like the literacy and vocabulary and language of hip hop and I don't know, just like mixing all of these different things together. Yeah. And then, and even just like the confidence that you develop when you're writing your own lyrics and performing your own songs and your classmates are impressed with you, like the confidence that that builds. It's, right. I don't know. I just think that in hip hop EDU generation, that's a powerful generation of young people. Yes, indeed. Well, you know, it leads into, well, you already answered it now because my, <laughs> my, my big going out, all right, this is the deep thought moment at the end. I'm going to say, you know, the name of this podcast is Hip Hop Can Save America. And of course, it's probably a lofty notion, but, you know, or, and hip hop's not the only thing. We need a lot of things. But the final question, and you kind of touched on it, but give me a you know, good soundbite. <laughs> um, in your experience, then, with all this being said, why is it important or what do you think are the best reasons to consider hip hop music and, and culture when looking for ways to truly improve lives, livelihoods and communities in this country, particularly, you know, young people. If educators want to put their students at the center of what they do, it's impossible to argue that using hip hop isn't a powerful learning tool because it honors what students are interested in. And at FlowCab, like we're doing, so we're doing the work of honoring students and honoring hip hop and so it's like a it's a winning combination in the end. And, and again, all the things you talked about in this whole chat we had is evidence of that. Uh, you guys continue to be a leader in the field, probably for really good reasons. But it's really great to get your perspective from the inside. I, I really appreciate you kind of touching on uh, some of the issues that you guys face in trying to navigate the various side eyes that you can get <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> from different from different to try to maintain that kind of, you know, authentic middle of the ground and effective, enjoyable and influential platform that you guys have created for these kids to excel. So mm -hmm. I thank you for your work. I thank you for your time and for your explanation and perspectives. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me on. And thank you for thank you for shining this light on hip hop because it's everything that we do. Yeah, that's it. And uh, I will do my part. So uh, we'll stay in touch. You guys have anything else to introduce or bring to the forefront? I'd love to hear about it and, uh, and again, help spread the word when I can. Awesome. Fantastic. All right. Danny, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Hip Hop Can Save America is a presentation of the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy at hiphopadvocacy.org, a nonprofit dedicated to increasing public understanding of hip hop culture. We're also brought to you by the Newsbeat Podcast, hard-hitting journalism, including interviews with thought leaders and activists about the most pressing social justice issues of our time. It also incorporates hip-hop with music and original lyrical contributions every episode. Think of it as Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast baby. Find Newsbeat by More Creative Studios wherever you get your podcasts or on the web at usnewsbeat.com. Hip Hop Can Save America with Manny Faces airs weekly Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Bonfire Open Source Radio. With amazing programming like their flagship morning show, TK in the AM, Bonfire Open Source Radio is leading community radio into the future. 
Check them out at bonfireradio.com or on the TuneIn app. Hip Hop Can Save America is created and hosted by me, Manny Faces. I also produce the theme music. Special thanks to our associate producer, Summer McCoy. You can find out more about me at mannyfaces.com. And find out more about Summer's hip-hop and tech-related initiative, Hip Hop Hacks, at hiphophacks.com. Thank you for listening. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb (laughs) Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip-Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.